This episode is brought to you by NNC Trucking LLC, Florence, South Carolina. They're a new company. They're hiring non-CDL drivers for box trucks, and they have they're also looking for CDL holders for semis. If you're interested or think you may be interested or you're going to school to get your CDL and you want to grow with a growing company with competitive rates, please send an email to nctrucking843 at gmail.com. We are back. We got a special guest today. Hey, how y'all doing today? What's up, listeners? Uh, back for another episode. Uh, today we have a guest uh, from my hometown, Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, a lawyer and uh, running for circuit judge, uh, Mr. Ernest Sanders. How you doing today? Doing great, Chris. Doing great. Appreciate you guys for having an old man on this on this on this young young folks show. <laughs> yes, sir. I would appreciate you for coming on our platform today. Um, so before we get started, I just want you to give the intro of who you are, uh, what you represent. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I am originally from Arkansas, I'm born in a small town down in southeast Arkansas. I mean, I know you're from here, Chris. Don't know if you've heard of Crossit. It's a little town on the border between Arkansas and Louisiana. Um, grew up there, graduated, went to a, a college here in central Arkansas called UCA. The way I let people know about UCA is I tell them that's the same school Scottie Pippen went through. So I'm just Scottie Pippen. Go, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. With the UCA um, after after undergrad, went out to University of Virginia in Charlottesville for for law school, and decided to come back home to practice law. Um, been there for 24 years. Um, my wife's name is Kim. Um, got a daughter. We were just out there in your area a couple of weeks ago. She's 30. She lives in the Maryland area. She was in the military, got out, and decided to stay there. And then, of course, I have a son who is Ernest III, and he's here in Little Rock. And so um, just that's that's a brief introduction, um, but just happy to be here, man. Thanks. Yes, sir. Um, next question. Um, so like you said, you went to college, came back, and practiced law. Um, just want to know, how did you set yourself up to get to this point? Um, whether it was distractions, whether if you had laser laser focus throughout um, your entire life, maybe it was a life lesson. Um, what kept you on track to to get to this point? And I don't know how this will, this will come off to people, but man, I grew up poor, and my idea was that education was going to get me out <laughs> of poverty. Um, you know, we grew up such like most people. It's not an uncommon story. Single parent, mom raised me. Um, my dad was there in our same town, but, um, you know, may he rest in peace. I don't like to say a whole lot of bad about him, but he just really wasn't there um, for us. And um, we moved to Little Rock in elementary school. And um, after about two years, we moved back home to my little small town in Crossit. And when we came back, Chris, I um, started associating with people. But let me put a pen and go back. I firmly believe had my mother stayed in Little Rock, I would have ended up, we called the training school back then, man, we were headed down a bad path. Um, I got a couple of older brothers as an eight year gap. So, you know, seeing them drinking and smoking and, and stuff, man, I was like in the fifth grade. That's what I aspired to be. I'm like, I can't wait till I get grown so I can start smoking and, and drinking. That's what I, I saw as being cool. Um, you know, we were going to the stores, you know, shoplifting and everything, just thankfully never got caught. But in, after the fifth grade, my mom moved back home, and th- that was a saving grace. But 
the guys I associated with then, both of them had both parents in the home. We know, you know, that's not necessarily means you're going to be great, but I saw that and I'm like, man, you know what? I want that. You know, I want, I want my wife. I want to be there for my son and, 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 and do that. Now, I knew that I had to make good grades to get in college. As I said, we poor. Ain't no college fund. <laughs> you know that? So I worked, man, to, to get scholarships. Um, I was fortunate enough to, um, to get a, a little track scholarship. I ran track. Um, got a little track scholarship. Actually, back then it was called work study, but they, they called it scholarship to make it <laughs> sound better. But actually, you went and picked up paper at the, after the football games for to earn that money. But, man, I, I, I'm not super sharp, Chris. I had to burn the midnight oil, man. I just had to get it. Um, I just, yeah, but I, I sit there still, you know, 12, 1, 2, 3 o'clock at night in order to to make the grades because I knew I had to have those in order, you know, to get into get to school. Um, you know, back, back then, loans were not as common as they are now, you know, but my family wasn't going to take out a loan. If I couldn't go there, there's no telling where I would have been. So it was just you know, um, and, and once again, I'm not one of these pulling myself up by my own bootstraps, people, right? I had a lot of folks helping me. <laughs> we talk about the community, it takes a community. I had a community there in my small town across it. People knew what I was trying to do, so they 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 helped me um, and, and supported me and pointed me in the right direction. So now, man, it, wasn't, <laughs> it was focused, but not super laser focused. Yeah, we fell off, you know, along the way. But I do, man, I'll say this before you get to the next question. I definitely remember even in college, now I want to go to law school. Um, I don't know. We call it the student center. Man, I can remember hearing the music at the student center. I'm sitting there thinking, man, they up there jamming, having fun. But uh, I, I I got to study. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. You know, maybe they got the money for law school. I don't. I, I've got to study. Hey, weekend comes around. Now I've got time um, to do that, man. So, um that's it. I just, I just had to, Hey man, y'all talked about, it. you got to put the time in, you get the grind, you got to do it. And I was like, I don't like this. Um, <laughs> I know I'm all over the place, but I can still remember getting my first pair of Nikes. It was in the ninth grade uh, playing basketball. We had to have Nikes and it was just a canvas pair. My mom went out of her way to go get me a pair of Nikes and brought them up to the school. And I was just so proud, man. I'm like, Oh, I got my first pair of Nikes. It's like, you know, um, I want to be able to do this whenever, you know, like the brother said, you know, talking about last week about attending the, the meeting, you know, you're able to drop down that money now, like when you couldn't, I'm not rich by any stretch of the imagination, but now I'm able to do some things now without worrying. Okay. Are my life going to get cut off if I will get the pair of shoes? Well, no, no. You know, I've been blessed and fortunate enough to be able to do some things, man. Um, now, but yeah, I was like, but it's the whole answer to your question. <laughs> nah, you you you, def, you definitely uh, answered the question and you went in detail. A couple <laughs> things you definitely hit was the uh, labor pains. And it's kind of me and Chris are kind of <laughs> on the same page. And I always explain it to other people that um, when it comes to dreaming, we, we're always taught to dream things and, and try to achieve it. But you made a, a key statement because I, I love to listen and definitely hear great stories. You said you remember when you were a kid and your friends that you were doing crazy things with had a two parent household and you always wanted that. And, and yeah. you telling me that lets me know that that stuck with you. So those days yeah. where you didn't want to go to the student center or you wanted to go up and jam, you thought about, is this aligned with me meeting, meeting that goal of that two parent household? Because right. ultimately, you know, and, and it never changes. Some things change. Music change. Times change. But yeah. ultimately, we have come, come to realize that 
you going to that student center may result into a baby being born young. It could be so many things that could have happened, could have happened that you let you didn't. You wasn't laser focused. You, you, and I think for all the listeners, I always try to, you know, reiterate this. Just because you're working on a goal doesn't mean you have to have a no fun zone. But you also have to keep what's in front of you, ahead of you. And always remember that there are things that are made to knock. It's distractions. They're made to knock you off your path. Um, Absolutely. What you got, Chris? What's the next question? You know, I go on my tangent. <laughs> <laughs> well, appreciate that. That's why I couldn't remember labor pain. I listened to that, but I, that's what I was trying to. Yeah, trying to definitely, say. and that's and that's what it's about. Because ultimately, I love me personally. I love to hear someone's story because that motivates me. Because we all go through different things. We all get caught up. We all get frustrated. We all get disappointed. But now I'm listening to you telling me that your mom went out of her way to buy a pair of Nikes, and we take so much for granted that you you yeah. didn't let that stop you and you always kept that in the back of your mind and and now you yeah. probably can buy more nikes but it's still that thing like you remember those days and that's what builds character mm-hmm. oh. yes sir yes sir go ahead chris the next question what advice would you give to the younger de- generation about accomplishing their goals and dreams oh. well, well it, this seems simple but you guys know this the first thing you got to do is write the vision, you know, <laughs> put it out there, write the vision, make it plain. Uh, um, there was a lot of talk of, a little while ago about vision boards. Don't know if they still doing that now, but you, first of all, you've got to have some idea of what you want to do. Um, once you decide what it is I want to do uh, um, now, as you guys were talking about last week, you got to go and research. How do I get from here to there? You know, what is it going to take? Um, just saying, okay, yeah, I want to grow up to be a, you know, whatever, a doctor. Well, now you've got to find out the steps to take young people. You know, get your vision, research it. What do I need to do to get here? Also, talk to others who are already there, who are willing to help you along the way. Hey, man, I see. Yeah, I see. I see you. You're here. What What did you do? How did you get to where you are? You know, um, you know. So that's what you got to do. It's going to get tough, but you can't, <laughs> you can't waver if that's what you know you want to do. You, you, anything worth having, man, as you all know, it's a cliche, but, it, you know, it sounds like a cliche. It, it's, there's going to be a struggle. You know, it, you know it, it's, that's just where it is. Um, you've got to put in time, young people. You've got to put in the time. <laughs> you've got to put in the time. I remember telling that over and over to my son, he, you know, I'm only 5'10". My wife, she's shorter than that. And my son coming up, he's, he's small and he's trying to play basketball. And I'm like, son, you got what we got. Unfortunately, you're probably not going to get any higher than 5'10". Than, than but I tell you what, if you go out there and outwork the other person, the coach will find a way to get you in the game. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so go and put that time in, man. It's not going to be easy, young people. Because it's and you guys are more in touch than with them than I am. It just seems like they just kind of want it easy nowadays. You know what I'm saying? They just, like you mentioned last time about labor pains. Well, I don't want the labor pains. I just want the birth. You know, yeah. <laughs> I want the office. I want the, the big, you know, I want, no. You've got to go through it, man. You Young people put in, write it down, discover the steps, talk to others, maybe mentors. And you got to put the time in. You got to put it in to get, you got to. Yeah, and I think the problem with the new generation is is social media. Um, nobody likes calling the baby ugly. Nobody likes pointing out the facts. Um, even with some of the things that I talk about, everybody like, oh, man, they don't want to hear it, but they know it's the truth. 
It's easy right. to look at some. I could tell you right now, I have family members who are in different situations. I can go take mm-hmm. five pictures by Bentleys with their jewelry on and I would look super rich and have to go home and cut the Internet off. And the Internet is such a great tool, but it could be such bad, you know, at certain times. And, then, you know, I, my generation, my father, you know, it was always work, 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 work. So we had a different work ethic. Now, I will tell you, this generation is remarkable with how they how how they know how to make money without a lot of uh, physical labor. But it may be a bad thing also because they solely rely on the electronics and the social media portion to where it's so much untapped that if you get from behind the desk, if you get off the couch and go get it, everything you want's in front of you. And I I explain that to everybody I talk to, even at work uh, in the Air Force is nobody's going to knock on the door and give you an opportunity. You know, I used to watch those commercials with Publishing Clearinghouse where they knock at your door with a check. And I played them sweepstakes for a long time, and nobody never knocked at my door with a check. <laughs> I don't we all did, man. We all did. I think people believe because they see people win at a certain level. Even with basketball, I always use basketball because it's easy to relate, especially to our culture, um, especially sure. the way they uh, – not they, but the way society tells us we only can make it through sports or entertainment. Well, even if you can make it through sports, those 224, 74 people who make it to the NBA are exceptionally well. Like – yeah. They have done nothing but play ball, and I got my eye opener. I'm a little taller than most, but I was playing AAU. I thought six two at like thirteen was great, and I'm meeting yeah. these guys that six foot five ten, and they killers. You know, they on the court killing it, and I had yeah. to reevaluate myself. Like these dudes eat, sleep, and 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 do everything basketball to where I play a little basketball, I play a little Madden, um, I go to work a little bit. You know, so I think that's the big thing. I think you you wrote it out, and I didn't hear about vision boards till later. Um, vision boards kind of came later. It, me, I just kind of envisioned it in my mind and my exposure, sure. seeing people do certain things. So for me, I never, even when I was younger, I never looked at someone and felt that I couldn't have what they had. Right. I always looked as if, if they can do this, I can do this too. And, and we didn't, you know, my dad, we never really mentor. I never heard mentor until I joined the military, but we need that mentor. We need someone that's going to give us the true statement. And what normally happens, and I've seen this in the community when someone says, hey, I want to do this, hey, I want to do that, when they truly see the labor pains, when they see the work that goes behind the scenes, they run away because they thought you were just driving a Mercedes just because you had got it off the lot, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> I, I think that's imperative that. And, and and the thing is, is, you know, we can have a, a thousand social media followers that follow the platform for whatever reason. I would, and it's just the statistics. Only maybe twenty of them would probably come and say, "Hey, I want to do a podcast." Hey, I want to do. And then when they start seeing everything behind the scenes, and they see that it's not just us putting the mic together and saying things, like we try to really plan this thing out, and, and we still have a lot more to go. Uh, even a uh, perfect example is another industry that I'm working in right now is a side job. I've been so stressed out the last two weeks about it, but I know that once it works out and we got like our first win on Monday, when it works out, we, we won't forget about those times, but that's what builds the character and that's what helps us get to where we need to be. What do you think on that, Chris? Uh, I, I appreciate um, both perspectives. Um, the main points that I really appreciate is me being a part of the younger generation, uh, no <laughs> knock on y'all. Um, it's definitely um, grabbing a mentor um, without a mentor, I feel like you are really lost, uh, whether that mentor is your parent. And most of the time, it isn't good to have a parent because as a teen, as a young adult, you really go against the grain. But if you get someone who's, you know, five to ten years older than you, um, you really can grasp on and latch on to what they have to offer. And a plan is 
definitely important. Uh, without a plan, then you're you just you're just speaking. That's it. Literally, just words in the air. And I just thought, uh, so that was as a humor society. You mentioned that, but it can't be your parent. My um, son, he did junior golf for years, and so I, I was coaching him until I took him as far as he could go. Right, and so man, if you've ever had a parent child relationship in coaching, you you, you know how those <laughs> can be, you know. So, but at some point, I realized I've taken him as far as I can go. Now let me get him another teacher or coach. So this other person, I'm sitting there just watching. Guy is telling him the exact same stuff that I'm. And you just <laughs> got to come from somebody else. It up. Right, exactly. So when you said that, I was like, I totally agree with that, man. It can't be your parent. It needs to be someone else. <laughs> yeah, you, you're funny you say that, too. And me and, me and Chris's friend, we got a partner named Colin. His son is like eight or nine and like six one six two. Colin, wow. uh, he hooped in college, blew his knee out. So I wouldn't say he lost his hoop dreams, but, you know, he had to readjust. And we was in the mm-hmm. gym one day and Colin was getting I mean, he was like red fire hot because his son wouldn't focus on the basketball drills. And then I'm like, <laughs> yo, just relax for a minute. Call little man over there. Hey, look, this is what I want you to do. I want you to do this for this X amount of time. And then you can yeah. go back over there and play the iPad or whatever you want to do. And he did it. And Colin was like, yo. I'm like, you got to think, you live with him, you wake him up, you feed, like, he don't want to hear you, because now yeah, you're turning yeah, something yeah. that may be just fun to him into another hobby or another chore, and it's, right, right, it's right. amazing yeah, exactly. how, the, how the mental work, but go ahead, what's right, next, yeah. Chris? <laughs> so, you just spoke on, how did you get here? Uh, we spoke on a plan, we spoke on advice to younger people, now I want to ask, are you an overnight success? Are you an overnight success? Because, like we just said, everyone sees the Bentley and they think you got it off the lot. Are you an overnight success? And really thoroughly tell the people how long did it take you to get to the point that you are now? You were a lawyer. You running for judge. Yeah. How, how long did it take you to get here? Well, I'm 56 years old, so <laughs> 56 years. So. But no, actually, some people get there quicker. It's just um, um, depends. Oh, uh, you know, undergrad is four to five years before you work like good stuff. You know, I did it four. Law school was three. Uh, passed the bar um, after the second time. After the, after the second, time, I passed the bar. So. You know, that was another little obstacle, you know, didn't pass the bar first or second time, had to take it three times to finally pass it. Um, and just from 1992, after passing the bar up until now, Chris, yeah, it's not overnight. You once again, I'm repeating myself, but you, you put in the time man. Um, whatever job I had, I wanted to do the best that I could do um, because I was looking for that to be a stepping stone or springboard to something better. Uh, so that's from 1992 to now I'm trying to lose it. That's what, 30, <laughs> 29 years or so um, been practicing now and now running for judge. Some people, you know how campaigns are. You can run earlier, you know, if you want to do that. So you could be there earlier. I had the fortune of being appointed um, judge uh, 10 years ago. Um, we had an incident here where a judge was removed. And um, it was just a blessing because um, I was not politically connected. I just want to put that out there. I went out there trying to hobnob. You know how to. You know how to. You know how those politician people do. Yeah, not not to cut you off, but um, I read that online. 
Um, okay. I watched I watched your video. I read I watched okay. your video on Facebook uh, of your introduction okay. of who you are. Cool. Um, and I did see you were appointed ten years ago. Right. So so gonna, that, was, that was dope. So, so I'm going to put it connected once again, just, just knowing people. Um, my boss at that time, he was connected. Um, I don't know what happened. He came in and said, Mr. Senator, do you mind if I submit your name to the government for this position? I'm like, sure, why not? I didn't think nothing was going to come of it. You know, then lo and behold, I get the position. I'm just, you know, <laughs> I was like, what? So that's one of the, I'm all over the place at the end. I wasn't really that. You know, I just kind of like, yeah, sure, put my name out there. So now we, it becomes a reality. It's like, oh, shoot, man, I, I got to get ready. So now I'm scared. Totally been honest with you guys. I, I'm terrified. First day I'm in there, I'm just terrified. Because what you talked about earlier, the other judges make it look easy. You know, all rise, stand up, call the docket, next case. You know, make it look easy. And I'm in there like, oh, crap, you know, another funny story. i never forget it. Walk in, my first day, all rise. Fifth Division, Circuit Court, nine session, with all of our Ernie Sellers presiding. You know, I come in, stand up, you know, and I take my seat. I'm getting ready to get started. I look up. People still standing up. My baby's like, Judge, you're supposed to tell them to sit down. Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, <laughs> be seated. So, you know, just little things like that, man. All right, I'll be seated. But um, so, you know, I have been a judge, but now after that, I've been in my private practice since 2011. I'm representing various clients. My comfort zone is criminal defense, you know, having been a prosecuting attorney and then worked for the parole board. So I pretty much know criminal law. You know, the statutes don't change much. Somebody calls me, asks me about a case. I can tell them what the elements are. Yeah, this, 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 and this. Um, my fee is pretty standard uh, on those, depending on the type of case. And then other cases, I just continually educate myself, continue to go to continuing education so that I can stay on top of what's happening uh, um, in the law. Um, so yes, sir. Yeah, one. Hold on one second. Okay, yeah. So with that, you did state a couple of things, and I think we had to take that away from it too. Um, okay. I always talk about yeah. relationships are worth more than money. I say that, and probably more than yeah, a little yeah. bit. Um, I also caught on too where you said you were appointed the judge. Another thing that I always try to tell people, and, and I think, it, and you just said it without me saying it, is opportunity normally comes around once. My grandfather told me that you only might get an opportunity one time. If you, the same opportunity come around two times, you're, you're blessed and you're lucky. Normally, opportunity yeah. knocks around once. But the thing about opportunities, you have to be prepared for that opportunity. Um, right. I use it with finances, right? Capitalization. You can't capitalize on an opportunity if you have no capital. <laughs> if, you know, everybody wants to make these big power moves when it comes to investing, when it comes to purchasing an 18-wheeler. And it all sounds good, but when that opportunity comes across and you get that 18-wheeler from that guy who ran it for 30 years and is ready to go, he's just ready to retire, he's giving it at a discount mm -hmm. rate. If you hadn't done everything to prepare for that moment, you're going to miss it. Um, it. Perfect example, you know, with the trucking thing that I got going on, it was an opportunity where somebody wasn't able and we were able to jump right in because we had waited our turn, we was prepared, so when the phone rang, we was ready to move. You can't come when that opportunity calls and say, Hey, hey, uh, Judge Sanders, you want me to put you in to be appointed? Oh, man, you know, I got this vacation going on, bro. I got, you know, <laughs> um, and, 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 and right, right, that's right. what happens. People get that opportunity that they so pray for yeah. or, or, or ready mm -hmm. for. But when it knocks at the door and you, you know, you took it up. Like you said, I was a little nervous, but I didn't run away from it. And you're going mm -hmm. to learn. Everybody had to start somewhere. Um, I think right. that was that was big, though. That was big was 
when that opportunity became available, you was able to answer the call and you're going to learn. We're all going to have growing pains regardless. Even if you think you're fully prepared, it's something that you're not used to, something new that you're stepping into a new element. And we always have to continue that. You you have to be prepared when that opportunity comes. I think that's the biggest thing ever. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to reiterate the conversation um, Mm -hmm. kind of of into finance. Um, Just to hit a few points. So I know you said you um, grew up poor. um, As the Hustle Smarter brand, we're re- really reaching out to that crowd who's in that same who's in that same situation now. Uh, so, how did you um, navigate or find your way to finance? Well, like you said, um, you got the scholarships, but from law school on, how did you survive uh, financially? Uh, was it the job that was paying you good? Did you pick up an extra shift? Um, how did you survive through college? Now, yeah, college, um, I, w- I was definitely blessed in college. Um, yeah, we talk about, you know, on fee payment day. Because I was poor, I, do they still have the Pell Grant? I don't know. Had the Pell Grant. Yeah, they still, they still had the Pell Grant. And Pell Grant had the supplemental grant. Then I had a couple of scholarships on top of that. I was getting money back when I went to fee payment day, and I just tried to make it last for the semester. We used to joke about going home for Christmas you broke. It's like, man, I can't wait to get back to school <laughs> because I need some money. So, but after that, um, man, just, just, just being frugal. Like you guys talk about, if you know, you can't afford that right now, just, just have some patience. Don't, don't, you know, don't spend your utility money, you know, to go buy some Jordans or whatever you need. Um, and then finally I met my wife, we got married in, um, in 1997 and I'm, don't know what you guys believe or what I, but the church I attended started talking about finances. I had not heard that in my traditional church where I had been, but this was a progressive newer church talking about being debt-free, owing no man anything um, but to love him. And I'm like, man, this is, this is all right. So now the, my mentality has, has, has shifted. Oh, I don't need all these credit cards. That's bondage. You know what I mean? So let's pay these jokers off. Um, and that's, that's kind of the process, man. Let's pay some things off. Yeah. You know, my wife, she does drive the Mercedes, but that's because we took our time to get there. I didn't go out there right then, 10 credit cards and all this other stuff, department cards, you know, it's, I have a wife, she's gorgeous. She's beautiful. If you saw on the website, you, you know what I'm talking about. And she looks high maintenance, but she really isn't. She was kind of, you know, she pulls me back sometimes like, no, we don't really need that right now. You know, we got a big, you know, we got a bigger vision, something down the line. You know, we're trying to get us a house. You know, <laughs> we don't want to be in an apartment with a $67,000 car sitting out in the parking lot. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I mean, the car costs more than the house. So that was the idea. It, it, it was just um, methodical planning, man, and, and patience and um, have, once again, going back to having a plan, uh, we're going to pay this one off first. You know how you go. Then we're going to take that payment, apply it to the next one, and we're going to keep on till we've knocked them all down, man. So um, it's it's working, it, Chris. We we worked it, worked the plan. Um, we uh, we already got that. We got the car, we got the house, but all those other credit cards and all that type of stuff we used to have is gone. You know, we do got one card that we use for travel purposes, but we pay that off every month. <laughs> we run it up to get our points so we can travel. 
it off in full every month. Yeah. Let me give you a round of applause on my beat pad. I don't know if y'all can hear it, but man, um, turn it up a little bit. So, I mean, once again, as, as we always say, and I say things, and, and I'm glad that we're all here as one. Chris heard me say it numerous times. I said to everybody, his age group, my age group above, that you, you hear the key things, marriage, marriage and money. We, we always, people do not like talking about money with their marriages, but that is what the the framework is for a successful marriage. You know, um, seven out of 10 marriages fail because of money, whether a lack of financial literacy or whether whatever the case may be. Um, and you said what I said when I went through, I went through the Dave Ramsey course, which is Christian based and it's all aligned with principles from the Bible. And that's how I learned money. And I did branch out afterwards and, and listen to other people, but it made so much sense, especially when he's quoting these things and he's quoting them from the Bible this, itself, you know, and, yeah. and I think that's a big thing. Me and Chris talked to one of our buddies where we, far as our churches go, especially in the black community, we need to implement that. Sunday school need to have a little financial school um, because Absolutely. when those 15, 16 year olds or, you know, we have some kids who grow up in the church from kids every day, they're Monday, Wednesday, Sunday, Friday, you know, and Friday. If they learn a little bit about money, not saying that it is the main important thing, but it's it, nothing in the Bible says you should live poor. Um, nothing in the Bible says you shouldn't have nice things. And as you stated before, yes, your wife drives a Mercedes, but she deserves that because y'all worked y'all plan to be there. And, yeah, right. and that's where the unapologetic portion come in. And that's where people get some kind of they feel some kind of way because you worked your butt off. But nobody wants to hear those labor pains. They don't want to hear the nice that you and your wife probably did the budget and right. looked at things and seeing things. And they, they don't want to hear that part. They just see the new Mercedes and they want to know how you like it and how much it costs. And mm, they got that now. And but nobody remembers the days, like you said, when y'all was in the apartment drawing out y'all vision board and y'all plan. I think that's just so it's so big. It's so important because. This is like the only culture to where you're supposed to be ashamed of working hard to get what you want. <laughs> it frustrates me because we all have the ability. And if you look at the numbers and we're going to talk about that on Soul Food Sunday with Black Friday and holiday shopping, we have the money to make big moves. Oh, yeah. We just spend it in the wrong places and we keep people who knock on, you know, quote unquote. And I'm not here. Don't not quote me on this, guys, but the oppressor mm -hmm. or whatever people come up with these days to make themselves sure. feel better about their lack of accountability. We always make them rich. So <laughs> I don't you you, you, yeah. you you can't buy the track the trailer if all you worry about is Balenciagas and 50 inch TVs. You know, you can't you ain't gonna be able to get yeah. that semi. But I want the semi to get over the road and buy me that stuff. But I think, man, you hit so much on the head. And another thing, too, Chris, we got to definitely talk about that. We spoke about it before is finding the right partner can make or break you. That's um, it. Make or break you. Make or break you. I was talking, you know, I was talking last night, uh, you know, yesterday. Brand newborn, two weeks yesterday, but I had to run up to Philly to handle some business. It was going about eight hours. I told my wife it would only be four. She know that I was stretching it because this is an hour and a half drive with no traffic. Yeah. Um, but she wasn't upset that I was a little, you know, later coming back and, and nothing like that because she understands that we got to keep this train running. Um, but also when I do get that one day of doing nothing, it's all her time. It's all her time, all baby time. Unless the baby crying, then I'm going to probably go outside again. But <laughs> but man, that was good, man. What you got on that, Chris? I, you know, I go on a tangent. I'm I'm over here happy, man. I just love hearing. You know, you love hearing uh, stuff that you hey, kind of see. Yeah, I was smiling the whole time. Um, he was talking because everything he said goes back to what we've been preaching, and and you can see the age difference. Even Mr. Sanders, I say he was 56 years old, and me and you are both uh, 30 and under, and we and he practiced what we're preaching now to get the position that he is in now. So it's, 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 a it's showing you it's stamped that it, that the process works if you follow yes, it. Sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And that's a, it's a prime example right here. We, it's our first time speaking. 
We didn't tell him to say nothing, nothing is scripted. That came straight from him. Like, this is an honest conversation. This up in a few. Uh, I know we've been on here a while. So we about 30 minutes. We good. I like it. I love it. I see if it's an hour yeah. of substance, I sit here all day. But, you know, sometimes when we when me and Chris first started, we would have like an hour episode in some in 30 minutes would just be us just joking around like we on the phone. Yeah, just rambling. <laughs> but this, some this is all right substance here. here. Go ahead. Um, so we, um, we already hit finance. So I want to hit a little bit of business. Um, so I look at like you said, you started your private practice. Um, so I look at that. I look at that and I compare it to being an entrepreneur to a certain extent because you are running your own business. You are being your own boss. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about um, your brand? And me and Graham hit on this a lot. Is when you started your private practice, you had to carry yourself to, to a certain standard. You had to make yourself appealing to the people for people to call and hire you as a lawyer. So you just want, I just want you to um, speak on your brand and your private practice and how this 10 years of you practicing by yourself has actually went and how did you sustain your business? Because we have a lot of entrepreneurs that who listen to us. Sure. It, it, it has been a blessing. Um, I mean, it's been great. At the time I did it, once again, it was fearful. I mean, I, I'm just being totally transparent with you guys. Because up to that point, I always had a paycheck coming in. I was an employee. And at every other week, it was coming in. It was coming in. And at the time, the plan was for me to go back to my Arkansas job. You know, the director, the one who recommended me to the governor, was holding it open for me to come back. But some things happened, and he was forced to advertise, and it went on, as my wife says, when that door closed, <laughs> it just opened another and kind of forced me out there because it was not something I wanted to do. But once I got out there, um, having been a former prosecutor, having worked for the parole board, and having just been a circuit judge, that's the brand. Oh, yeah, I'm circuit judge. The time was right. Yeah, right. Circuit judge. I'd just been a circuit judge. So, I mean, man, the calls were coming in. They're, they're coming in. And I'm one of these people... I say this all the time. I'm sure you guys have heard it. All money is not good money. So if, if it's beyond my skill set, I'm sending you on down the way. You know, if I've got enough cases um, and, and I feel like I can't keep my head above water, well, we're going to refer. I can't take any more cases right now, ma'am or sir. So I conducted my business. Um, and just being upfront with people, man, being honest, um, People would come and tell me some of the things other attorneys have said. But for example, in our profession, you cannot make a guarantee about the outcome of the case. You just don't know. People will come to me and tell me other attorneys said, well, so-and-so down the street said, you know, if I hire him, well, he guarantee I'm going to get probation. Well, ma'am, sir, I suggest you go on down the street to whomever that was, because that's just not reality. Just being open and honest. Uh, and when you're, when you build a brand like that, you guys know word of mouth travels faster and better than any billboard, any advertisement, any sign you can, you can pick up. And that's where the bulk of my clients came from. Yeah, Ernest represented me. Um, he did this, did a good job. You know, I, I, I recommend him to you. So I guess in terms of my brand, well, let me back up. One thing I also know is that my fees are lesser than some of the other people. I've got this buddy of mine. We talk about that a lot. 
because how our fees, we know they're, they're lesser and I could demand the higher price. I mean, based on my experience and my skill, I could demand that. But I was just talking to a guy before we start this broadcast. Most of the people I come in contact with, our people, can't afford that. And, and, I, and I know there's something else because, you know, you know, I'm not saying devalue yourself. You know, my wife and I talk about that. You know, if you say you're worth this and they can't pay it, well, fine, you know. I'm not going to devalue myself. But another part of that, I realized that most of the most of my clients are black from the inner city or whatever. You know, I do have some white clients, non-black clients, but for the most part, they're they're African Americans. Um, and um, I can say, yeah, 10, 15,000, but most of them don't have that. So I asked my question, yeah, this case is a 10, 15, 20000 dollars case, but can I do it? without devaluing myself, can I do it for something less? Can I do it for 10 or can I do it for seven or something like that? So um, <laughs> sometimes they try to come back to bite you. Once again, I had a referral. The young lady called, you know, so-and-so told me you represented her and blah, 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 so-and-so, so-and-so. So I told her what the fee was and she come back, well, you charge him so-and-so, so-and-so. <laughs> so, but, what she didn't know is that that person had more than one case. So, you know, if you got more than one thing, I try to work with you. But that that was a deal, especially for him or her, ma'am. So, you know, you know how our people try to come run game on the saying that type of stuff. So, no, no, you get on out of here with that. But the brand, man, was just being honest and being with, with integrity. Um, you know, we have a lot of attorneys lose the license, you know, for mishandling the money. You know, there's an, you know, there's an insurance claim or something. They get the whole amount rather than giving the client and everybody else theirs. They keep all of it, you know, and you really think nobody's going to find that out. The client's going to want to know where is my money. So just being honest, Chris, um, transparent. Um, I've even had to fire some clients myself. Hey, this this is just not a working relationship. Let me, you know, write you a check, give you your money back and, and, and you know, go on somewhere else because my image, my brand it's me and I don't need somebody out here tarnishing it, you know, unjustly. Um, so um, once again, I have to ask, <laughs> answer your question. So. Nah, you killed that question. And that's definitely another thing. I mean, we just, I'm over here like, man, we got eight, 80,000 more topics to talk about because that's another thing that it, I had a lot on my head, but it's like when you're in a position and you carry yourself a certain way and you're protecting your brand at all costs, you don't have to, for our term or for Chris's generation, do goofy stuff, right? You don't have to take no case and play yourself because what a lot of people in a position of, even if they're running a business or anything and they do, they're desperate, they do anything for a check. Um, and I was explaining that to my father, like there's certain stuff I turn down if it's goofy, if I don't have, I don't have to agree with it, you know? Mm -hmm. Hey, like you said earlier, you dismiss clients. Well, we dismiss people. We have people who call the show and they want to start a controversial Mari Povich type three, man, I'm not doing that. You know, not on my platform. Now I come on your platform. Don't say my name and we can have a good time and don't put me on camera. But far as our platform, you know, that's even if someone was to say, Hey, we'll give you 10 grand. If you let us come on your, no, we don't want that because Ultimately, then you're selling yourself for a dollar. And I think that's when you're protecting your brand at all costs. There's nothing, there's no um, funny business that someone can attribute to your name because you protect, to protected your brand over the years. Yeah, they may argue about a price. They may do this and that. But when they walk away from your office, they can say he's a stand-up guy. He wouldn't do anything, you know, unjust, unmoral, unethical. And I think, and especially with our culture in the black community, 
we do a lot of goofy stuff because we don't have money. So you got people who never smoke cigarettes, but they'll go do a cigarette commercial because they need that little bit of change. You have people who <laughs> lost a parent because of heroin or something of that nature, and then they'll go promote drugs so they can get a check. And it's when we do stuff like that, you have sharks, especially in the business world, who know that they can capitalize on your misfortunes. And I think that's the importance of us building our own brand. And, and people have to realize, too, you don't have to run a business to have a brand, you know. Um, whatever your name, first and last name, that's your brand. You, we, we was born and raised off your family name. You know, when I was growing up, my granddaddy, when I was doing dumb stuff, I thought I wanted to be cool and in the streets. Hey, you a Graham. I don't play that, you know. And we lived in a smaller community that everybody knew I was Willie B. grandson. So whatever I did outside, I had to go answer to him because it's coming back to him one way, some way, somehow. And I think we've lost that as a people because once I, I don't want to talk, I go crazy. Social media has made these people believe that their platform. Oh, okay, I'm done. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> it just, I, and I just adding this I remember this one lady came to me and um, to represent her and so I'm getting her signed up we're doing the contract and everything and her case was already in this one judge's court and this judge happened to be a personal friend of mine so she's like well yeah I, um, I heard you guys are good friends and, and you all play golf together you know kind of give me this look I said okay let's stop this right now you, you gotta let them know you gotta you just gotta tell them you know, absolutely not. If you're thinking I'm going to go and talk, you know, ruin my friendship with him, once again, you've got the wrong person. I don't operate like that. You know, I don't do anything unethical. So if that's what you're coming to hire me for, you can walk on out of here right now and go get somebody else. You just got to put it out there like that. Some people, that's being off of me. No, <laughs> not at all. I'm letting you know what you said. What, what the phrase you said, doing goofy stuff. We're not doing stuff. And the other one last thing I like to add is that, you know, like I said, I'm a transparent person. One of the things I did as I'm, you know, working my private practice is that a, a another part-time job with the state came up and I took that job because by doing so now I got full health benefits for my family versus going out and paying for them on my own. So a couple of days a week, I was going to this other job, you know, just part-time 20 hours a week. But yet I got health insurance and benefits and all this good stuff. So young person, say you're out there, you're trying to be an entrepreneur, you're doing your own thing. Maybe while you're on that path, you may have to just kind of do something else. Like like you mentioned, you know, your side hustle, you know, just something else to kind of sustain you till you get to where you need to go. Then you can say, okay, I'm good now. We, you know, we don't really need that. So and and that's the thing is 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 a lot of times too with the 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 ill effects of social media, people are ready to quit their great job to go chase their dream. Um, as for me, I ain't, Uncle Sam treat me good. Air Force treat me good, but I'm all that doesn't stop me from working on what I want to work on. My goal is to have that side hustle be equal or greater than my take home pay from the Air Force, but I still ain't walking away because they take care of those other things that we don't look at the benefits and everything. And it's the biggest thing. And what first name people say is, "Oh, I don't have the time to do both." No, you're distracted. You're, you're scrolling mm -hmm. Facebook. Right. Me and Chris just got, we had a good little 20 minutes about distractions and he wanted to go back and forth. But now he hear, he's hearing you say it, sir. And now he's like, hmm, he might want to re, re, redo that argument because you know what? There isn't more time in the day, but how you utilize and structure that time. Um, a lot of our entrepreneurs, a lot of us young people who are trying to do things and even older people, we're making excuses. It's easier to make an excuse. It's easier to say, I don't have time. It's easier when you do get free time to do something else. You're not out of time. You're not in a bind you are unorganized and unstructured and you probably don't have that confidence to believe in yourself and normally what it takes and, and i stop before i go on another tangent is when you get that one win you realize that it's all worth it when you get that one win you realize because when i got that one win uh monday 
I was mad at myself that I could have done that three weeks ago if I would have locked in. Uh, and I think that's when you start to really get that laser focus. But yes, Chris, yes, what you sir. got? We wrapping it up. What you got, G? Um, I just want to thank uh, Mr. Sanders for coming on the platform. Uh, that's really oh. all I have for today. Okay. Uh, today's conversation, today's podcast episode was epic. I think it's one of the best ones we had. Everything was organic. The conversation was was um, solid, and it came with some substance. So I just want to thank you again for coming on the platform. Awesome. I appreciate you young people for having me. Absolutely. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I just looked at my clock. I didn't realize that much time. <laughs> hey, this, is a, this is a great conversation. Um, okay. Just give a shout out right. to my cousin. Um, I want to give a shout out to my cousin, Wesley Peters. Um, he got this um, show started. He put me in contact with Mrs. Sanders, uh, showing me some love and showing Mrs. Sanders some love. Um, so shout out to him. Uh, shout out to Little Rock, Arkansas. We're going to push this out. Um, get some people to, to show you some support. Appreciate you. I appreciate you, fellas. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, sir. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Thank you. Okay. All right. This concludes another episode of the Hustle Lounge podcast. We'll catch you next time.